0: Thank you for joining us here at First Love Podcasts with the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois for Sunday, August 9th, 2020. Our guest soloist today is the music director Stephanie Salterman singing, Here I Am, Lord. Our first scripture reading is taken from Genesis 37, 1 through 4, and second scripture reading taken from Matthew 14, 22, through 33. Reverend Jonathan Warren's sermon title today is, Take My Hand. We pray that you have a safe and healthy, rewarding week. God bless.
1: First scripture reading, help us from book of Genesis, chapter 37. Let's listen to the word of God. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien Land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock and his brothers. He was a helper of the sons of Billah and Zippah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report to them, them, to their father. Uh, Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children, because he was the son of his old old age. And he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, here I am. So he said to them, go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, what are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where where they are pasturing the flock. The man said, they have gone away, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance, and before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams." But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the long robe with sleeves, That he wore, and they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Midianite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifting him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. Our next reading comes to us from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Many of you know this story very well about Peter and Jesus walking on the water. Let us listen to the word of God. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray And when evening came, he was there alone. By this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the last two weeks, there have been several deaths in our congregation, and normally during these tender times, we know what to do. The family gathers, friends and church family visit, sharing stories and memories. We supply food oftentimes. We celebrate together and help carry the load. But these days have thrown everything off. With the pandemic raging like a storm all around us, we can't do things that we normally do. Top of what is already difficult and tender, and tender. it's even more isolating and impossible to experience a loss like that. The truth is many of you have experienced loss in these last months, loss of loved ones, of dear friends, maybe loss of jobs, Loss of our daily routines. Our lives are normally hard enough, but this storm seems to continue raging on with no end in sight. It seems all too often that we're left to ourselves. I don't know about you, but now we're very tired of me, myself, and I. We're tired of our families, even though we love them. We need to hold on to something, anything. In our scripture reading today, we discover our disciples in the midst of a raging storm. They're in this boat in the middle of the sea. The wind and the waves are raging, and they've been fighting against this storm by themselves all night long. They're exhausted. They're at their wit's end at this point. I don't know about you, but kind of feel a little like the disciples right now. And finally, in the morning, when... The storm still raging. They see someone walking on the water toward them. In fact, they're absolutely terrified. They scream. They think this is a ghost. That's when Jesus says three little words. Don't be afraid. According to Reverend Adam Hamilton, these three little words, don't be afraid, are the most frequently spoken words from God to human beings in Scripture. This phrase is found more than 140 times in our Bible. Now, the other little phrase Jesus shares in this moment is it's a bit more hidden, but it gives us a clue about his identity. When he tells them not to be afraid, he also says, it is I, it's me, don't be afraid. Now, it doesn't sound that impressive until you look at the original Greek. The phrase is ego amy, which literally translates, I am. You have to go back all the way to Moses to understand what I am means. When Moses meets God in that burning bush, he asks God what to call him, and God says, I am who I am. So when Jesus says, it is I, don't be afraid, it's better translated, I am. Don't be afraid. Now, it should have had a calming effect, right? Somehow this one little phrase doesn't seem to fix things or calm these disciples, At least they don't have a ghost to contend with anymore, but they're still far from shore. The wind and the rains are in no way letting up, and even though Jesus comes, it doesn't offer the comfort that they need. This storm has stirred up a fear so fierce within that Jesus' miracle, Jesus' words have no calming effect on these folks. Now, the reality is, we're in the midst of an unending storm. It's been a really long night, a long five months for all of us. I also know, even Sunday after Sunday, hearing Jesus is here in our midst, these words, they sometimes feel like empty words. Much like when Jesus tells the disciples, it is I, don't be afraid, I am, don't be afraid. The fear and anxiety that's within us is so strong and all we can see is this storm raging around us. I don't know about you, but as we face another week with more outbreaks in Jacksonville and our country as we head into the school season, as we head into this political circus from all sides. And somehow, these last ten days, we bury three of our church family members. Our church can't be there to celebrate, to, to grieve our beloved family. We don't get the chance to say goodbye properly. We can't help carry this weight few little words aren't going to calm the storm that's raging outside and inside. Now, we all know this isn't where this Bible story ends. In fact, it's about to get very interesting. Peter does what Peter does best, and he ignores everybody around him. He might be crazy, or he might be brilliant just kind of like Sheldon Cooper from the Big Bang Theory. He can't read the room and realize that everyone else is freaking out. Instead of following everyone's fear on that boat, he seizes the moment, and he asks Jesus if he can walk on water too. The wind and the waves are still crashing, the storm's still raging, and crazy and brilliant, Peter jumps out of the boat in the middle of a storm and does the impossible. He ends up walking on. On water, Not for very long, the wind blows and the giant waves are crashing, and now Peter's literally in that water, sinking, about to drown. Peter instantly discovers panic and fear and trepidation, and it's in this moment of frenzy when everything shifts. Death is imminent for Peter, and Peter has nothing left but to call out for Jesus for help. And this is when those words that Jesus had just spoken turn into something bigger. Jesus reaches out his hand to help Peter out of the water. I am. Don't be afraid. And instantly the storm outside and inside subsides and the disciples are witnesses of God in Jesus Instead of fear, they're awestruck, and they bow down to worship Jesus, recognizing for the first time that they're in the midst of God. I am. And now, they're no longer afraid. In a few minutes, we'll be singing the hymn, Precious Lord, Take My Hand. Story behind this hymn it's quite striking. In August 1932, the author, Thomas Dor- Dorsey, and his wife, Nettie, were expecting their first child. They lived in a small apartment on Chicago's south side. And he reluctantly left her there while he drove down Route 66 to St. Louis, where he served as the featured soloist at a large revival meeting. The next evening, after being called on to sing again and again, he was handed a telegram. It bore four devastating words Your wife just died. One of his friends drove him through the night back to Chicago, where he learned that his wife had given birth to a boy. Yet this brief hope was dashed when the child died the following evening. After burying his wife and son in the same casket, Dorsey, by his own report, fell apart. He said, for days I closeted myself. I felt that God had done me an injustice. I didn't want to serve him anymore or write gospel songs. I just wanted to go back to that jazz world where... I once knew so well. After a few days, his friend took him to a neighborhood music school where he left Thomas Dorsey alone in a room with a piano. He writes this. It was quiet. Late evening sun crept through the curtain windows I sat down at the piano and my hands began to browse over the keys. Something happened to me then. I felt at peace. I felt as though I could reach out and touch God found myself playing a melody, one I'd never heard or played before, and the words came into my head. They just seemed to fall into place. Like the disciples, Dorsey was about to drown. You can hear it in the second verse of Precious Lord Take My Hand. When my way grows drear, Precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry, hear my call. Hold my hand, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. Jesus calms the storm within Dorsey by reaching out his hand in this quiet, still room. It's just like when Jesus reached out his hand to Peter, saving him. Over the last few weeks, Connie Rogie had been getting weaker and weaker. She'd been in the hospital and then went home, in hospice. And this week, I called her on Monday morning to check in, but aides and nurses were coming in and out, and it just wasn't a good time. So I called her right before I left for work, or for home, from work. Again, more nurses. It was a long day. So her daughter Susan asked if I could call the next morning at about 11. I had gotten busy the next day, and it was nearly time for lunch, about to leave, and I decided I better call. This time, Connie was nonresponsive. I asked if I could pray with Connie on speakerphone, with her and her daughter there. Later, Connie's daughter told me exactly what happened after I called. She said, I left the room to text my brothers about our conversation, and then I heard a noise. I went back into the room, and mom died. It was within minutes of our prayer together, Jesus reached out his hand to Connie, calling her home. In the midst of this raging pandemic storm, I've prayed and prayed and prayed. We've had too many private family services and yet we must keep people safe. Feels like each of us is floating along in our own little boat unmoored and unable to reach out to one another. This feels even more true when we're forced to grieve alone And then it came to me in the midst of this raging storm, a sense of calm and peace when this pandemic is over. We will gather. We will celebrate. Now, it might be strange uh, to look forward to one giant uh, congregation-wide funeral service. But we must gather together to celebrate to be witnesses of the resurrection of the lives of those we love that are still alive in Christ. For it is too much to bear alone. We will reach out to Jesus. and Jesus will hold our hand and it will be beautiful. And Jesus will not only calm the storm outside, but also... Within. Like the disciples on the boat, like Peter who stepped out into the water, like the hymn writer Thomas Dorsey, like Connie Rogie. We're not only alone in the storm.
0: Jesus is holding
1: his hand out to each one of us, saying, I am. Don't be afraid. And our response is this. Take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: The address for First Presbyterian Church, Jacksonville, Illinois, is 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, zip code 62650. Our phone number is 217-245-4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. That's office at f-i-r-s-t-p-r-e-s-j-a-x you can reach us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Our Our webpage is www.firstpresjax.org Our Sunday services start at 10 a.m., but we come on the air at 10.45 with a slideshow. We invite you to come and view us live on Facebook on Sundays, leave a comment, enjoy a great sermon by Jonathan Warren and whoever is the special music for that day. God bless.